Oh, the freedom, the anointing of the Holy Spirit is in this place. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians 3.9. You know, sometimes you, well, you will be hearing me saying verses, phrases, things repetitiously. I want to stir you up by the way of remembrance. Doesn't it say that in 1 uh, Peter? Amen. Stirring you up. We, we constantly need to be reminded of what the Word of God says. So don't count it a thing. Oh, I heard that before. I don't have to hear that. I already know about that. No, no, no. We need to constantly be reminded, stirred up. Amen? Now, last week, I preached on keys to an effective prayer life. For some reason, the last couple messages, the Lord's had me going in a series. So this is part two. Part two of keys to an effective prayer life. 1 Corinthians 3.9 is basically my flagship scripture for this in talking about prayer. Listen to this. It says, for we, the body of Christ, or Christians on this earth, for we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. I want to point out that God is looking for a partnership. And part of that partnership, part of that laboring together with God as I said last week, is through prayer. Remember I said that? And I also said before that some things will not come to pass in your life without specifically praying for that certain thing to come to pass. Now, it also goes into praying in tongues. I'll tell you, certain things won't come to pass in your life at all if you're not praying in tongues. Well, that's pretty bold, Pastor James. How can you say that? Because this, praying in tongues bypasses your natural carnal mind. There are certain things that God has planned for your life that you have no clue of what to ask for because your carnal mind doesn't have a clue. But when you pray in the Spirit, with the help of the Holy Spirit in your spirit, He knows what you need, right? So there's certain things that will not come to pass if you're not praying in tongues. Amen. And I want to encourage you to pray in tongues as much as possible. Paul said, I pray in tongues more than you all. More than you all. That's a lot. <laughs> Amen. So let's try to outdo Paul. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. And, and look at the results of his life. I mean, yeah, sure, he had persecution. But look how he was used mightily by God. In fact, some of those doors wouldn't have even opened up if he didn't pray in tongues. Because his natural mind would fight against it. Right? Because of the persecution and all that that would come. But like I said before, just expect persecution. Now, I will even go a step further. I'm going to take a step further about this thing, about prayer. I'm going to say this, that there are certain things that God wants to come to pass on this earth. But unless there is a yielded vessel on this earth to pray for those things, they won't come to pass. That's bold, isn't it? Do you hear me? First off, there's certain things that won't come to pass in your personal life, 
But I went a step further and said, there's things God wants and they won't come to pass unless there's a yielded vessel to pray for it. Never forget that. There is unlimited power in the life of a person who is completely yielded to the Holy Spirit's promptings and leadings in prayer. Unlimited power. See, it's the ultimate, ultimate partnership. God and man united in one purpose. Think about that. The ultimate partnership. God and man united in, in one purpose. The Word of God says that he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. That's talking about unity. That's found in 1 Corinthians 6.17, by the way. That is unbelievable. Mankind, made out of, of dust of this earth, our physical body. See, we're a spiritual being. But God counts us so valuable that he's looking for a partnership with us. The creator of all things wants to hook up with you and I today. Hallelujah. Now, Psalm 109, Psalms 109 verse 4 says this. The psalmist says this. He says, I will give myself unto prayer. Why? So that God's purposes can be fulfilled on this earth. You see, it's a giving of yourself. Do you think your, your flesh wants to pray? You know? No. But that's why the psalmist says it's a giving of yourself for the purposes and pursuits of God on this earth. Why? Because God needs us to hook up with him. He needs us to hook up with him. Because there's things he wants accomplished on this earth. But unless he has a vessel on this earth, a man, a person who has authority on this earth, those things will not come to pass. Your body, if you're a Christian today, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Remember, as a Christian now, your spirit and body belong to God. That's why the psalmist says, I will give myself. I will give myself unto prayer. It is ultimate submission to his plans and purposes on this earth. So remember that. It's a giving of yourself. Now, found a real interesting passage. Turn with me to Isaiah 26, verse 9. This, this was pretty neat when I seen this. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 9. The ultimate partnership. God and man connected. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Hallelujah. Now, Isaiah 26, 9 says this. With my soul have I desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me, I will seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Now, I want you to notice something. The seek thee early means to put God first before everything else in your life. That word early, well, sure, you can look at it as, you know, get up in the morning, start your day, kick, him off, kick off with prayer, and connect with him. But it's talking about putting God as priority in every area of your life. Seek thee early. Remember that. 
Now, I want you to notice something else that was real interesting here. Where it talks about the soul, it says, with my soul I have desired thee. You see, the soul, your mind, will, and emotions can only desire communication with God. Where are you going with this, Pastor James? Now, look where it talks about the spirit. It says, with my spirit within me, I will seek thee early. We can only connect with God through our spirit. Your soul is enmity. It can't connect. Why? Turn with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4 verse 23. <laughs> it was interesting when the Holy Spirit showed me this. Remember, your soul can only desire God. Your soul can't connect with God. Only your spirit can connect with our Heavenly Father. Look at this. John 4 verse 23 through 24. Jesus said this, but the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. It doesn't say soul there, does it? For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Why? Because God is a spirit. He's a spirit being. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The point I'm trying to make is that only your spirit man can connect with God. Your soul can desire him, but your spirit can only connect with our Heavenly Father. Now, so those Christians who are being carnally minded and led, led by their flesh constantly, uh, they won't have a meaningful prayer life. Why? Because you can only seek and connect with God through your spirit. And when you're living a carnal life, apart from the word, outside of obedience, you're not going to connect with our Heavenly Father. Right? So that's the point I wanted to make with that. Um, now, the next part of that Isaiah 26. It's interesting also to me to point out here that right after the psalmist talks about seeking God early in prayer, he's talking about seeking Him in prayer. He goes on to talk about when God's judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. In other words, the results of seeking God in prayer will initiate the will of God on this earth to cause people to learn righteousness. Did you catch that? Let me say that one more time. The results of seeking God in prayer will initiate the will of God on this earth. I told you. There's certain things God wants to come to pass on this earth, but unless there's a, an individual praying for that thing to come to pass, it won't happen. It won't happen. It's a partnership, remember. It's a partnership. So when the will of God is activated on this earth, it says people will learn righteousness, will learn the ways of God, will be drawn to Him. Amen? Now, Go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. I'm going to switch gears here a little bit. Matthew 6, verse 8. Now, the, the ver couple verses before that, I'm going to get to that point. So, I'm kind of kind of read a verse that's kind of out of the context, but I'm going to get back to the context in a minute here. So, 
there's something I wanted to bring up out of this that's tying into what I'm talking about a little bit right here. Matthew 6, verse 8 says this, and I'm the second part of 8. I want to pull this out. It says, For your heavenly Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask. Now, of course God knows everything, doesn't he? God knows what the needs are in our life. But notice it goes on to say, before you ask. We're still expected to ask. To activate so those needs can come into our life. Do you see that? We are still, he, of course he has, you know, you'll hear people say, well, I don't even have to pray about that. God knows. God knows. He knows what I need. Yes, it says it right there. It says, yeah, God knows what you need before you ask. We're still expected to ask for those things. You Remember that scripture? You have not because you what? Ask not. Yeah, but God knows what I need. Why do I have to? You have not because you ask not. He knows what you have need of before you pray. Pray for that thing. Amen. Hallelujah. It allows God to move in your life. Remember, it's a partnership. Don't ever forget that. It's a partnership. And I'm going to get into more of this in a minute. About the authority thing. How God gave mankind authority on this earth. So for God to move in this, in, in, on this world, on this earth, he needs a, a willing vessel who's going to pray his will in to existence on this earth. Hmm. Just had another thought and it slipped me. The Holy Ghost will bring it back for probably another time on the, in the message. Go to Luke 11 1. Luke 11 1. Jesus, of course is our greatest example of how to pray, right? This is interesting. Look at this. Luke 11, verse 1. It says, And it came to pass that as he, as Jesus, was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. I thank God. That one of Jesus' disciples in that day asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. <laughs> Think about that. There was something in the life of Jesus, something that the disciples seen in Jesus' prayer life that drew them to him, that, that was contagious. Now, Luke, Luke 6, 12, turn there with me. Hallelujah. Luke 6, 12. What was the secret to Jesus' prayer life? Says, Luke 6, 12 says this, And it came to pass in those days that he went about into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. Now, let me ask you this. All night in prayer to God. Do you think that Jesus was tired from ministering all day? 
from people thronging on him, pulling him every which way. Don't you think he was a little bit tired? But guess what? He was giving himself to prayer. Psalm 109.4. Just like what the psalmist said, he was giving himself. It's a giving of yourself so that the plans and pur purposes of God can come to pass. Now, the disciples recognized that Jesus, this is what it, Jesus connected with his heavenly father. Now, Jesus, of course, was anointed with the Holy Spirit and filled with power, wasn't he? His prayer life was totally effective. He had a level, I believe this is what the ingredient that the people seen, that he had a level of intimacy with his heavenly father that created a hunger and a thirst in the people. And of course, they seen the results of this giving of himself in prayer. Even times where he continued all night. They seen the result of the power he walked in in his life. I'm convinced that Jesus Christ himself would not have walked in that power if he didn't pray. Amen. I'm convinced of that. Why? Because remember, Jesus didn't walk in power on this earth because he is the son of God. Amen. He walked as a man on this earth anointed with the Holy Spirit. And that's the only reason why he can be our true example. Because the God of Most High came and lived in an earth suit on this earth. He became a man anointed with the Holy Spirit. And you are a man anointed with the Holy Spirit today. That is the only reason. Come on. If he wasn't a man, well, we couldn't base anything because he wouldn't have been at our level. Right? If he was just the son of God and not man on this earth, we, there, we couldn't compare. We couldn't take anything as an example because after all, he was walking supernaturally as God on this earth, which he couldn't have done, by the way, because God himself wouldn't have broke the spiritual law. He knew that for, to make it legal for Jesus to redeem mankind and to be our example, he had to come and become a man and live in a physical body. In an earth suit. So God himself didn't even break that spiritual law that he, by the way, set forth. Why? What do you mean God set it forth? Well, he said, remember when he made Adam? He said, I give dominion to mankind. Right there, God set it into motion. And of course, God's not going to contradict himself, right? Amen. Because if he contradicted himself... Well, then we couldn't trust him. But God is not a man that he should lie. But God became a man on this earth to redeem mankind through the Lord Jesus Christ. So Jesus is our greatest example on this earth. Now, let me just touch on this because some may have a question. You know, what do we mean when we talk about Jesus, the Son of God? Well, what does that mean? You know, there might be someone in here or listening to the broadcast or whatever who doesn't know what that means. It means that Jesus did not have an earthly father. Remember, he was born of a virgin, the Virgin Mary, and he was conceived by the Holy Ghost. Amen. There, he did not, there was no earthly man involved in this. Totally pure. Conceived by the Holy Spirit. Yet he was man because he was conceived in a human womb through Mary. 
That's why he's the son of God. He wasn't the son of Joseph, right? He was the son and is the son of God. So we as Christians can experience the same kind of prayer life that Jesus had because he is our, our example. Turn with me to uh, Matthew 6. Matthew 6, verses 5 through 6. Touch on some points here. Keys to an effective prayer life. Hallelujah. So key number one, study Jesus. Study his life. How did he pray? Where did he pray? When did he pray? Right? The next key. Don't pray to be seen by others or to just put on a show. Amen. Matthew 6, 5 through 6 says this. Jesus said, And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou pray, enter into thy closet. Interesting, the word of prophecy that came forth today. <laughs> right? Talked about intimacy. It says, go into your bed, bed chamber, the closet. And when thou sh hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret. And thy father which sees thee in secret shall reward thee openly. This scripture right here, sure, it's talking about coming away with God, giving yourself to prayer in, in a private place. But I believe it's also talking about your motivation for praying. Right? What is your motive? Why are you praying? The Pharisees prayed, it says in the street, they would make loud prayers just to be heard, just to be seen by others, to put on some religious show. And they're called a hypocrite. Right? So I believe this scripture also is referring to our motive. What's your motive? What's your motivation? If you're praying just to uh, have people see how spiritual you are, that's your reward to people. Because God's not going to reward you for that. It says right there. It says you have your reward. If that's your motivation, if that's your reasoning, that's your reward. And you won't go any further. Right? Now, have you ever found yourself... Come on now, we've all probably been guilty about th of this. Have you ever found yourself trying to make yourself sound spiritual, but your heart really wasn't in the prayer? <laughs> I, I have. <laughs> Come on, I'm, I'm being transparent this morning. Something maybe like you're at a family get-together or something, you know, and you pray or something. Your heart's really not into it. You're more concerned about what the unsaved family members are thinking, <laughs> right? I've been there, done that. Forgive me, Lord. Yeah, I already asked for forgiveness, so I guess I didn't have to do it again. But we've all been there. Uh, but however, if your heart and motives are right before God, your prayers will be powerful and effective. What do I mean by effective? It means they'll do what you're asking God to do. They'll accomplish what you're praying for. Answered prayer I'm talking about. Right? Right? Matthew 6, now jump with me to 7 and 8. Now when you're praying, don't use vain or worthless repetition. <laughs> vain or worthless repetition. Now come on, we've all done that 
also. Oh, Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, bless so-and-so. Bless so-and-so. Bless so-and-so. Bless so-and-so. Bless them, Lord. Bless so-and-so. It's just vain repetition. Come on, let's dig a little deeper here in this prayer. Let's put some heart into it, right? Vain repetition. Listen to verse 7 and 8. Jesus said, but when you pray, use not vain or worthless repetition as the heathen do. For they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. The more words you have doesn't mean the prayer is more effective. Some of the shortest prayers you can pray are more effective than a whole paragraph of words. Okay. Verse 8. But uh, be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father, here's that verse, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. So this vain repetition thing, it, prayer is a dialogue. It means it's a two-way communication, okay? It's not just a, a monologue or a one-way communication. It's communication between you and your heavenly father. It's meaningful communication. And vain repetition Come on, vain repetition is simply religious babbling. You, when, when someone's doing a vain repetition thing, they're not praying to expect to hear back from God. You understand what I'm saying? Vain repetition, you're just blah, 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 blah. And so that's why Jesus says, don't, don't think for much speaking you're going to get anything. Because it's not meaningful communication. How would you like me just to come up to you and just start talking to you, talking to and not let you get a word in edgewise? Just vain repetition. And I tell you the same thing over and over again. Wouldn't that be annoying? <laughs> Amen. Oh, man. So on a, on a prayer where there's vain repetition, there is absolutely no anointing on that prayer. All it is is just vain or worthless words, Jesus said. He said, if you're going to do vain repetition, don't even bother. It's worthless. Now, the Bible calls that a dead work. Anyone familiar with what dead works are? Okay. It means you are doing something because you think you're earning brownie points with God by doing it. You are simply doing it to satisfy your own conscience conscience and not to please God or to communicate with him that's what that means it's worthless um, all right it's time it's time to kill some sacred cows this morning are you ready the boldness is going to start coming forth now are you with me put your spiritual seatbelts on right now folks because I'm going to kill some sacred cows this morning, all right? <laughs> now, for those of you who don't know, a sacred cow uh, is an expression that stands for a religious man-made tradition. Something that's not found into the word, but people hold on to it tight. But it don't mean a hill of beans to God. I'm going to kill a sacred cow this morning. Amen. Now, Hallelujah. Ready? I'm going to dive right in. This praying to Mary stuff into dead saints is trash. It's trash. I told you to put your spiritual seatbelts on this morning. Now, there, there's people who are listening to this message on the internet or on the air 
And, and they're doing this stuff. And I'm, I'm going to be bold about it. Because they need to hear the truth this morning. So bear with me this morning, all right? Now, Mary and these saints, they're dead. Okay? They're dead. They were man. They're man. They were made out of the same thing as we are. There's nothing that is... Uh, Supernatural about them? Nothing at all. They're man. Their bodies are in the grave. When you're praying to Mary and calling on dead saints, the Bible calls that necromancy. Talking to the dead. And it's an abomination unto God. Now I'm speaking this in love. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking this in love. Might not sound like it right now because I get fired up about this. Because so many people are being led astray by this religion. Now, this, this religion, they, you know, they confess, you know, that Jesus is the Son of God and, and, and this stuff. But they lift Mary to the same plane. And if they tell you they don't, they're lying. Because they call her the Holy Mother. They think the Pope is infallible. <laughs> you know, this has got to stop. And, and now, so... <sighs> this has got to stop. Uh, so it's necromancy. In praying to dead saints. Now, in fact, listen to me. If you're a Christian this morning... If you're a Christian this morning, the Bible calls you a saint. You don't have to be appointed by a pope to be called a saint. The Bible calls you a saint because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this in-between stuff of, you know, oh, Holy Mother Mary, blah, 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 you know, as your go-between, and these saints as your go-between. Well, last time I checked in 1 Timothy 2, 5, it says there's one mediator, between God and man. And it says the man Christ Jesus. There is no scriptural foundation that there has to be any other go between. No Mary. No saint such and such. So what is this? I believe that this is where in Galatians it talks about perverting the gospel. It's a perversion of the gospel. Huge religion on this earth. Very huge religion. But you notice, something else I notice. Um, that a lot of these religions like that, you notice how like they'll come together, if all the minister or priest or whatever, and, and they'll vote on whether to change a certain truth or something like that. Now, come on. The Word of God is settled forever in heaven. If they would get in line with the Word, all these different things wouldn't change. You don't understand what I'm talking about? Oh, let's get together. Oh, in one denomination, in fact, I... Well, I'm not going to, I forgot who it was. I was listening to Bob Larson and he was talking about who it was and it slipped my mind right now. But one denomination came together 
and they're talking about homosexuality, whether to, you know, ordain, you know, ministers and homosexual ministers and stuff. And uh, some did, but this one gave a statement and said, we find that homosexuality is incompatible with what the Bible teaches. And Bob Larson, you know, his bold self, he's like, duh, you had to come together and have a meeting for this? What a bunch of trash. Come on, let's stick with the word of God. Now, go to Luke eleven twenty seven. Luke eleven twenty seven. This is uh, mm, this is pretty powerful, because some someone, some individual, some woman came up to Jesus. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it was a Catholic woman. <laughs> She, try, <laughs> she tried to exalt Mary. Look at this. Luke eleven twenty seven. And it came to pass as he spake these things, a certain woman of the company lifted up her voice and said unto him, Blessed is the womb that bare thee, and the paps which thou hast sucked. Jesus said, Yea, rather blessed are they that hear the word of God and do it. <laughs> yeah. Amen. I mean, don't you think if there was any scriptural backing to this Mary thing, that Jesus would have said, oh, yes, my holy mother. Oh, I just praise her. Oh, she's a blessing. She... Now, she was blessed among women. Bible does say that. But you don't worship her. Amen. She's up in heaven right now, okay? She's not your go-between intercessor. It says Jesus ever lives to make intercession for the saints. Right? Hallelujah. Catholics, I love you, but you need to repent. You need to renounce. You need to renounce that necromancy. You need to confess it as sin because that's what it is. It's a perversion of the gospel. Amen. Now, my last point is unspoken requests are unscriptural. Unspoken requests are unscriptural. Now, I've had people come up to me, not here, but like on the prayer line at, in Tulsa and stuff like that. I had people say, would you like, uh, it said, uh, would you like to agree with me in prayer? And I'd say, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, what do you need uh, me to agree with you for? they say, oh, it's an unspoken request. <laughs> I would say, first off, how can I agree with something? I have no idea what it is. Secondly, what if you are agreeing for is unscriptural? So I tell people, if you have an unspoken request, you're on your own. You, you pray for about yourself then, and you suffer the consequences. Amen. Now, when I was working with the Abundant Life Prayer Group, get this now, I had a lady call me, and uh, she said that she had an unspoken request about a relationship. Uh, that a relationship would work out. But it was unspoken. She said, she, I, I don't want to go any further. But you know, the Holy Spirit, thank God for the Holy Spirit. First off, I wouldn't want any further. But the Holy Spirit put a check in my spirit. Something didn't feel right about this. Okay? Something didn't feel right inside. And after asking a few questions, the Holy Spirit prompted me to ask this woman, come to find out this single woman 
was committing fornication with a married man. And she wanted me to pray and agree that this man would leave his wife and family for her. Unspoken requests are unscriptural. Now that's an extreme of it. But it's unscriptural. Let's all stand this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Give you praise and glory in this place this morning. Now maybe there's someone in here this morning who has never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of their life. Today is the day of salvation. To know that when your spirit leaves your body, when you take your last breath on this earth, that you will be with the Almighty God and the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. If you want to make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life today, I want you to come down to this altar and I want to pray with you. Always, I always give an invitation for that. So important. Secondly, if you've been a Christian for a while, but you know you haven't been living the life and you want to rededicate your life today, I want you to come down and I want to pray with you to get back in right standing. Come back in to Father's house where the blessings are. Amen. If you've never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit, Jesus said in Acts 1.8, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be witnesses for me. And if you want to receive that power, the Holy Ghost, if you want to receive Him, see, the power comes with Him. You receive Him, and the power comes with Him. If you want to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit, you never have, come on down. I want to lay hands on you to receive. If you need a physical healing in your body, a miracle in your life, I want you to come down. And you know what? I'm even going to open up the altar because even my wife in the past, she grew up in the Catholic Church. She grew up in the Catholic Church. So Catholics, I love you. <laughs> but there needs to be some changes in your life. You need to make things right with God. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth is the Word of God. See, when we stray from the Word, we're on the devil's territory. So we want to stay in the boundaries of the Word. If you have ever participated in anything like that, I want to encourage you in your seat. Just where you're at. I don't want to embarrass anyone. I want you just to confess that is sin. Now that you know the truth. And that truth, when you put it into action, will set you free. So repeat this after me. If you ever were in a religion that did that or believed that, you participated in that. Say, Heavenly Father. Everyone say that. Heavenly Father, forgive me for trying to replace Jesus with any other person. I confess that is sin. Forgive me for talking to the dead, which is an abomination in your word. And I know that now. So I ask for your forgiveness. And I renounce all ties to any religion that caused me to sin. I exalt Jesus. He is the only mediator between God and man. 
Hallelujah. Now I'm just going to pray for you because I feel led to do this. In the name of Jesus, I command any curse that has come upon any person involved who has been involved with that. Any demonic spirits that have entered in because of involvement with that. I command every evil and unclean spirit that has binded the mind in the lives of the people to come out in the name of Jesus right now. In Jesus' name. And I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over those individuals right now. Everyone repeat this after me. In the name of Jesus, I confess the sins of my forefathers. They have not served you like they should have. And I confess the sins of my forefathers. And I renounce and destroy every, every, and any generational curse that has been passed down. Galatians 3.13 declares that Christ became a curse for me. That the blessing of Abraham would be upon my life. I tap into that blessing now. And I declare it in the natural. I declare it in the spiritual. That every generational curse and every curse is broken and destroyed in my life. Repeat this after me now. I'm, I'm getting into some spiritual warfare stuff this morning. Some of you have been involved with some relationships that have formed some what we call evil soul ties. Soul ties. Some of you have been involved with individuals that maybe premarital sex, maybe other uh, things you've been involved in. And that can form a soul tie. We call it an ungodly or evil soul tie that tries to bind the minds of people. So repeat this after me. In the name of Jesus, I renounce, destroy, and cut off every evil and ungodly soul tie that has ever been formed in my life. In the name of Jesus. Just thank God for what he's done today. Hallelujah.
might be thinking, well, why did we have to renounce generational curses? It says in there, Christ became a curse for us. Yeah, it also says he died for the sins of, of the whole world, but the whole world's not saved. They have to tap into it. And healing's provided. Healing's provided, but not every Christian's healed. Why? You have to tap into the blessing. Stuff, anything tied in horoscopes, anything. Re repeat after me right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I renounce and destroy my involvement with the occult. And in the name of Jesus, Father, forgive me for any involvement in that. In Jesus' name, Amen. Hallelujah. Give Lord a hand clap for what he's done today. He's really, boy, he's really doing a work this morning. I, I really sense something happening in the spirit realm that people are being set free. You're probably even going to notice a difference in your life if you were the one praying after me and, and really meant it with your heart. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, be sure to pick up your CD on the back there on the, uh, on the sound booth before you go. Remember, 6 o'clock prayer on, on Wednesday, 7 o'clock, the John Bevere video. And you all have a great week. If you need anything, let us know. We love you. Have a great week.